We're going to be celebrating communion tonight. We've been celebrating communion the first, every other first Wednesday and first Sunday of the month. And so this month it falls on our midweek service. And that way we're trying to get as much of the body together as possible to partake of communion together. Open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to be reading some text and praying together as we partake of communion. While you're turning, we're going to open in prayer. Father, we pray that you are preparing our hearts even now to receive that which you have instructed us to do, partaking of Holy Communion together, remembering what you have done in the past, what you are doing in the present, and what you have promised for us in the future. We pray that we would be faithful in partaking of communion together this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. In Colossians chapter 1, we're going to be starting in verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. When we are partaking of communion, we are looking to Christ and his victory on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And we need to see and we need to focus on the forgiveness of our sins, yes, but understanding that God sacrificed his son, but not just a man, he is God in the flesh, co-equal with the Father, always existing from everlasting to everlasting. He in, became incarnate. He b- took on flesh, but he was God in the flesh. And through him, all things are created. He is the image of the invisible God. And it should bring us to a point of awe. It should bring us to a, a point of understanding how insignificant we truly are compared to the sacrifice that he gave us and yet he did because he loved us we're going to wait until we're all served together and then we'll partake together if the elders will come forth while communion is being served i want to focus on verse 17 It says, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. We talk about him being before all things, but then it says here, in him all things consist. When we think of Jesus, he is the express image of the invisible God, and that flesh that he took on became broken and beaten and whipped and crucified for us for the forgiveness of sins the bible tells us in isaiah that it pleased god to bruise him knowing that he was taking our judgment upon himself and so as we crush this token between our teeth we remember and we acknowledge that god himself gave himself through his son that we could be forgiven that we come from victory not to victory that it has been completed on that cross Let's pray, and then we'll partake together. Lord, we thank you for revealing to us who you are through your Son and then giving your Son as a sacrifice for many. We thank you for the forgiveness that we have, the grace that you've bestowed on us through him. 
And we pray, Lord, with thankful hearts, we pray that you would continue to impress on us your love through his sacrifice. In Jesus' name, let's partake. In verse 18, it says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. He shouldn't have just the preeminence in all of creation. He shouldn't just be first and foremost in the universe or unto created things, but he should be preeminent in our lives and in our hearts. And as we partake communion together, we realize that this just isn't about us where we're at, where we're seated here. But when we partake of communion, we are a part of the body of Christ, the big B, the whole church. They're partaking of communion in China, in North Korea, in Africa, in South America, in Russia, in Europe, in all of North America, in all the world. The Bible prophesied in the Old Testament from the sun setting to the sun rising, they would be praising his name. But not only around the world, but for years and decades and centuries and millennia, we have been connected through Jesus Christ and his grace. And so when we partake of this cup together, we're not only reminded of his blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sins, but we're also connected through his body to all those that are saved by grace. And we give thanks for it. Let's pray and then we'll partake together. Lord, when we come before you, we just come in just the utmost awe. There's not enough words that can be said, Lord. There's not enough thanks that be given, but what we have, we give to you and we give to it freely. Not only are you preeminent above all things, Lord, we pray that would be true in our own hearts this evening as well. We thank you for giving us this token this ability to be connected through history, through territory, through cultures, through language, knowing that it is all by your blood and by your work alone. And so we thank you this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake. And we'll close communion with these verses, starting in verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Peace through the blood of his cross. When we partake of communion together, we see the sacrifice of God himself through his son. Making peace and reconciliation with us, his creation, through the blood of of his cross. Let's close in one last prayer and then we're going to go into Deuteronomy together. Father, we do pray first for thanks and for praise to you, Lord, for the work that you have done, for the revelation of your Son in whom the fullness of all things are, from Genesis to Revelation being revealed through your word, Lord. We pray as we're filled with your Spirit that you would also write your words on the tablets of our heart. And that we would share this gospel, this good news of who you are, what you have done, how you have revealed yourself, and more importantly, how you have reconciled your creation that has fallen to yourself through the love 
and the grace of your son's sacrifice. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'll throw these things away later. Let's jump into Deuteronomy chapter 31. All the way on the other side of Scripture. It's been a while since we've had some New Testament on Wednesday night. Chapter 31. Can never pray too much, right? It's a trick question when anybody asks you if, you're, if a pastor specifically says, have you been praying enough? No. The answer is always no. Have you been reading enough? Who says yes? You know what? I, have, I am prayed up. You know, I 100% completed today. So let's pray once again. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Teach us tonight in Deuteronomy from the life of Moses and the end of his life and the end of this journey going over into the Jordan, Lord, as their final preparations are being made. We pray that you would have us flowing from the worship of song, the worship of communion, and now to the worship of the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, just like that, we're coming to the end of our journey in Deuteronomy. We only have a few chapters left. And so, as we were praying, we are going to start closing out. But as all things are when you walk with the Lord, the end is just the beginning. Amen? The end is always just the beginning. Let's read verses 1 through 6. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and he shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their land, when he destroyed them. Then the Lord will give them over to you, that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. There's so many things to pull apart here. First off, 120 years old. And he says, now I'm done. So I know the Lord has graced us with a lot of wisdom in this room, but y'all haven't even started yet. See, this journey that Moses has been on started when he was 80 years old when he was in Pharaoh's court. And now he's closing out at 120 years old. Now, he fibs here, not really, but I'm going to make a point. He says, I can no longer go out and come in. Sounds like he's old and decrepit. You know, we think about him maybe in a wheelchair. The man's about to climb up a mountain. So this isn't quite accurate the way that we would think. And so we need to know that if you're putting a limit on yourself about, oh, well, the Lord's done with me now. I'm just here to just, you know, receive the word of God and be done. Nothing could be further from the truth. You want to be exactly where the Lord has called you. But textually, textually, from the text, Moses is not deteriorating in his health. He could continue on. The Lord's pretty much just going to call him home here in a little bit. To the point he's going to call him to the place and say, okay, this is it. And so Moses is definitely unique to history. But we're going to learn a lot of things tonight from his ending the same way that we've learned 
from his life. What I want to point out, though, is that he knows he cannot cross over the Jordan. God told him you're not crossing over. In Numbers chapter 20, he made a big mistake by misrepresenting Jesus Christ and his sacrifice by hitting the stone, by hitting the rock twice when the waters came out. He did it in his anger for the people. And yet God said, nope, that your punishment is going to be you're not going to go into the promised land. Now, this fulfills a variety of different things. One thing that we're going to see tonight is that Moses is not the message. God is the message. His work is the message. What God is doing is the message. And so by allowing Moses to fail and not carrying him through, he's showing you that one man can never take you all the way. One man can never complete your journey except for the man of Jesus Christ. We follow and we seek after him with all of our heart, with all of our might, with all of our soul. Notice in verses 3 through 7, Moses is pointing to somebody else. Verse 3, the Lord your God himself crosses over you. He knows he's not going, but he knows who to send them with. He then says that Joshua crosses over with you, the end of verse 3. But he says that Joshua will cross over, not because of his faith in Joshua, but look at the very end of verse 3, just as the Lord has said. God is going before you. He's going to give you victory. You're going to follow Joshua because God has picked Joshua. Complete your journey with him. Some of us here have been with fellowships for decades, and now the Lord's called you here to this fellowship. And you may think, you know, that guy before, he was super special. There's never going to be anyone like him. Nope, there's not. There's only one of them. But the same God is with you today. The same powerful things that happened then can happen now, if not greater, because it's the Lord that sends you on. Especially all you guys that came from Joe Bosch's church. That ain't never going to happen again. Just telling you right now. But it's the Lord that goes on before you. That's a joke, y'all. Don't write him. I'll get in trouble. He says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. Why does he say that? Does he say because of your experiences, because of your training, because of your education, because of your strength, because of your wisdom? No, he doesn't say that. He's not confident in them. He says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse six. So he can be confident because he knows that that completion comes in Christ. It comes in God, the Father at this time. We can be strong and we can be faithful because we know that it's Christ that does the work in us. Not the man, not the ministry, not the place. It is God that does these things. Now, these are his final departing words. This conversation and then the song that he's going to sing and write in the next chapter, in chapter 32. And this is the final message that he's passing on. And he is, with all his heart, yearning that the people of Israel, when they go over the Jordan, which he knows they will, because God promised it, and when they have victory in, in war, and he knows they will, because God promised it, what has he been trying to say for 30-some-odd chapters? Please, please, I beg of you, stick with God and do not follow the idols of those around us. Please, I beg of you, obey this law. Obey this word. 
follow the blessings of God. This is the promises of God. But what do we know? They're going to fail. They're going to fall. But he has rest not in the people. He has rest in the Lord. If you want to follow a good leader, one of the pinnacle, besides doctrine, one of the pinnacle values is that that leader is always pointing to God and not pointing to themselves. They should always be glorifying God in everything that they do. And anytime they start to touch the glory, you should be terrified. What happened to Aaron's sons when they touched the glory of God? The Lord took them. Now let's read verses 7 through 8. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Now this man, 40 years ago, had already been in this land. Do you remember? He'd already been on the other side of the Jordan. He's one of the only two guys, him and Caleb. 40 years he's been dreaming about them giants on the other side of the land. 40 years he's been saying, we could have licked them then, we're going to lick them now. We were going to beat them then. I told them they didn't listen to me. And now it's his chance to step up. You know, we have these preconceived notions about age. We have these preconceived notions about careers or when things are supposed to do or when we're supposed to comp- complete God's plans. One of the most frustrating things for me was the year and a half that God had me stay in California when I knew I was called to come here. I'd already been planting a church, and the Lord closed that door. I thought, I'm just going to stay in Lompoc. I'm just going to stay there serving God. You know, the ministry successful there, however he says fit. And then I went to the pastor's conference, and all these crazy things happened. And the next thing you knew, I was on a plane to South Carolina visiting Zayden. And then I came out here, and I'm like, yes, the Lord has called me here. Then he sent me back home. And then for a year, year and a half, I had to wait. It wasn't God's timing. It's like, but Lord, this is your plan. You can spread the Red Sea. You can bring the 10 plagues. You can rain manna from heaven. You can defeat him. Why are you waiting? But he was preparing me. He was preparing this place. More people started coming along. I didn't like it. It was frustrating. I just wanted to go. But now, here in this text... 40 years later, Joshua is going to go across the Jordan to something he's been knowing they were called to do for decades. For some of you here, maybe you've waited decades to start serving the Lord. Well, the Lord was preparing you for something. All things work together for the good for those that love Jesus, that love the Lord. Now is the time. And how can I say that with such confidence? Because you can never trust in yourself what is Moses' words of wisdom to Joshua? Hey, don't be worried. Don't be scared. You're not done. You just started. I know you've been on this journey for 40 years too, but you're just starting. And he said, verse 8, He is the one, the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. What's the, what's the side note here? Moses knows the people will leave him. Moses knows the people will betray him. Moses knows the people will backbite and complain 
And if you get too angry, you might not make it over the river. See, Moses knows the weakness of the people more than anyone. And yet he tells Joshua, do not be dismayed. You're going to go into battle, but God is with you. Stick with him. I want to get a little bit farther, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about this Moses-Joshua handoff. Let's read verses 9 through 15. So Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priests, the son of Levi, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the appointed time in the year of the release, at the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear, that they may learn to fear the Lord your God, and carefully observe all the words of this law. And that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you crossed the Jordan to possess. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of meeting that I may inaugurate him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting now the Lord appeared at the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood above the door of the tabernacle. Now we'll come back to that in a second, but Moses wrote this law. Right? You see that? He wrote it. That didn't mean he typed it. He didn't transcribe it. He didn't talk into Google Translate, and then the whole conversation pops up. He sits there, and he writes out the law at 120 years old. It is never too late or too early to start learning the Word of God, to grow in the Word of God, to study over every letter, to go into every verse, to really start digging in. Oh, you know, I, I'm just not a Bible guy or girl. I just don't, I'm not a scholastic person. I just don't, I'm not interested in that kind of stuff. Baloney. Baloney. And, and I'll tell you why. Yes, some people are gifted we're talking about gifts on sunday mornings in corinthians some people are supernaturally gifted to read and teach the word of god it just comes to them like a duck to water right but the person you find me and i'll just invent some person in my mind the the manliest burliest blue collar beat up person that has spent decades in the trenches making iron with their bare hand too tough to be educated Ask them about their favorite sports team. Ask them about their trade. Ask them about the tools in their toolbox, about their sales techniques. Ask them about their business. They will riddle off so much. You ask their wives. They're probably bored to death of the stories that they go into intricate detail because they're able to study at that level and to learn. Yeah, but the Bible, that's not for me. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter when you start. The word of God is for you. How do I know that? Well, it's for the whole nation. The whole nation was to gather together and this every seven years, and they were to sit there and read the law. Yeah, the boring parts too. And what else? What was the purpose? 
all of Israel to gather together the men and the women and the little ones, verse 12, and the stranger who is within your your gates. Why? What was the purpose? Verse 12, it's in the middle there. That they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law. I highly, highly, highly encourage you, if you are in a family, if there's two of you or more, that you have a group reading of the Bible in your home. If you have young kids, get a kid's Bible. Read from that thing. Talk about it. Ask some questions. If you got teenagers in there, you better give it to them lock, stock, and barrel because the world's not holding back on them. They're teaching them every foul thing you could possibly imagine. More and more I'm hearing about these influences that 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds are having, conversations about homosexuality, about gender fluidity, about drug use and paraphernalia and sexuality. Look at the media. Look at what's going on in our movies. We say, well, they're not interested in the Bible. They're not interested in the Bible because you're not interested in the Bible. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it's not going to mean anything to them. And if you just pull it out like some kind of dusty chore, pastor says I got to do this or I'm not a Christian. I didn't say that. Then what are your, what are your kids going to think? But if you're excited about it, if it means something to you, if your life is driven by it, it will have an impact. Well, I'm too old. My kids are gone. It's never, never, ever too late. The word of God will never return void. It says in verse, thing, verse 13, that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. You know, if you want to say some controversial things, the reason the church is shrinking in the Western hemisphere, in the Western world, is because the Jesus that is being taught is not worth following. The reason why teenagers and college students and young people in this country are not following after Jesus is because their faith is so watered down, it's meaningless. But when you teach the Word of God in its entirety, when you teach the experience of God and the truth of God and the apologetics of God, it will radically transform people's life like it has always done. But if you think that felt boards from the 1990s were going to keep kids in church because it was interesting, you're out of your mind. But when you at home engage your kids with the word, you're able to transmit your love and your passion for God, not the law of God. Teach them to fear God, to have an awe of God, to have a reverence for God. Or you could drag them to church. This is what we do because God loves you. A reverence for God is what was to be taught here. Now, I want to tie this in, this from the parent to the child, because it's no different from the grandparent to the grandchild or the adult parent to the adult child any more than it is from Moses at 120 years old and Joshua now at 80 years old because it's being handed off. Either way, this faith has been handed off from generation to generation for two millennia in the name of Jesus Christ and four millennia before that. For that many millennia, millennia is a thousand years. For a thousand years and a thousand years and a thousand years and a thousand years and a thousand years, because they try and make it seem like Christianity is just a new kid on the block, and a thousand years more, 
to the beginning of creation, it has been handed down from father to son, from mother to daughter, from generation to generation, and the gates of Hades will never prevail against the church. It will continue to be passed down. I heard an interesting saying just the other day. I was watching a video. It was a quote from Charles de Gaulle. It said, the graveyards are filled with irreplaceable men. There's always another generation to take their place. And we need to do the same. And that's what's happening here. Moses is going to die. He's, ju- he's just been told at the end of this section where we just wrote, how would you like G- God to show up to you? And what does he say there? Verse 14, the Lord says to Moses, behold, the days approach when you must die. How'd you like that to be the end of one of your prayers? Lord, I pray for an answer. Behold, the day is approached where you must die. No, thank you. I'm down for heaven, not for death. And yet that is the case for every single one of us. Every single human being, 10 out of 10 people die. I pray for rapture. But one day we must all experience this. And somebody, Lord, if you're lucky, if the Lord has blessed you, I should say, you'll know that it's coming. For some, it'll be in a moment you won't know. It'll sneak up on you. But what does God tell him to do? Go take one final vacation. You know, go spend all your money before you go because you can't take it with you, which is, it's biblical you can't take it with you. I don't know about spending all your money. It says, call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of meeting that I may inaugurate him. The end of verse 14 says, Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting. And now the Lord appeared at the tabernacle in a pillar of cloud, And the pillar of cloud stood above the door of the tabernacle. The presence of God. This is called the Shekinah glory. The very presence of God, they can see it, is present in this tent. And I don't want to be irreverent, but I want us to know this is just a physical being, a physical place. But God's presence is what makes it holy. And there the handoff is official. I'm taking this one home. This one stays and continues in the work. And one day he would be taken home. And then the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. And if the Lord tarries, I'll be put in the dirt. Probably spread around, though. I I think I'll go the spread around method. And then you're like, well, that's not Christian of you. Cremation does in 40 minutes what the grave does does in 40 weeks. I mean, it's the same thing. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For each and every one of us, though, who's coming behind you? Who's coming behind you? Who's taking your spot? It's appointed for a man once to die and then the judgment. But then we're to occupy until his glorious return. And we need to be going into all the world and creating disciples and baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit the way that God told us to do and to keep doing it until he returns. Remember, none of us is irreplaceable. None of us. Well, the Lord's not done talking with Moses, though. He's got some more stuff to do. Verses 16 through 23. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you will rest with your fathers. Ah, that's awesome. And this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land. Excuse me? 
continues, where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be aroused, aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? Verse 18, And I will surely hide my face in that day, because of all the evil which they have done, in that they have turned to other gods. Now therefore write down this song for yourselves, and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths, and this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. Verse 20, When I have brought them to the land flowing with milk and honey, of which I swore to their fathers, and they have eaten and filled themselves and grown fat, then they will turn to other gods and serve them, and they will provoke me and break my covenant. Then it shall be when many evils and troubles have come upon them that this song will testify against them as a witness. For it will not be forgotten in the mouths of their descendants, for I know the inclination of their behavior today, even before I have brought them to the land which I swore to give them. Verse 22. Therefore Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. Then he inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. That's uplifting to know your life's work. All that preaching you just did, you just gave the entire book of Deuteronomy. You wrote it down. You literally wrote it down word for word. Obey, obey, obey. Choose God, choose God, choose God. And they're going to get these blessings. If you follow God, you're going to get these cursings. If you don't follow God, just choose God and live. Choose the world and die. Literally a few chapters ago, that's what it said. Holy Spirit speaking through Moses. And God reveals to him, you're going to die. I'm going to take you home. Joshua's going to lead. You're going to, they're going to go into the promised land. They're not going to do anything you just wrote. None of it. They're all going to fail. Every single thing that you told them to do, they're not going to do. You know, when we were enemies with God, Christ died for us. When we were enemies against him, when we didn't confess his name, when we said, well, you know, Christianity, who cares? I'll get to it when I get to it. I got a job. I got a family. I got a house. I, I'm just doing me time right now. Meanwhile, our sins, our um, excuse me, insubordination to God, our disobedience to Him. He took the punishment for all that on His Son, so that when we call upon the name of the Lord, He shall save us and cover us in His blood and make us righteous and holy to be called by His name. When we were enemies with Him, He loved us. When Israel chooses to be is enemies with God, by their actions and by their behavior. And God allows this punishment and he invokes this punishment. He makes it happen. The Bible tells us that when Israel, and, uh, when Israel is taken to captivity, when Judah is taken to captivity, it says God rose up their enemies against them. He used them as an instrument of judgment and righteousness, even though they were far more sinful. And what does the Bible tell us in Galatians? That as you sow... That shall you also reap. God is not mocked. That as you sow, that shall you also reap. It is important, the decisions we make. 
When we decide not to read the Bible in our house, it has consequences. When we decide not to have personal reading time, it has consequences. When we don't pray, when we don't seek God, when we don't invest in our kids, we decide to watch the football game instead of sitting down with our son or our daughter, it has consequences. When we decide to sleep in and we don't go to work, it has consequences. You take a drink from that bottle, you hit that uh, marijuana, you take that prescription medicine, you skip out, it has consequences. Your decisions have consequences. As a New Testament believer, what does the Bible say? If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap of the Spirit. But if you sow to the flesh, you reap of the flesh. And if that's you, maybe you're all those things. You need to come see me after the message. But if you have slipped, one person got it. Thank you. (laughs) But if you have slipped, remember that God's mercies are new every day. And every single time Israel turned back to the Lord, every single time they reached out to him, every single time they climbed out of that hole because God pulled them out, and they reached up to heaven, they said, Lord, forgive us, we want to follow you. Every single time God met them there. And for us, he does it through his son, Jesus Christ. And every single time we turn to him, I can still remember this day, the first time I opened the Bible and I read it together with Megan. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know what the, ch- the books were. I just thought, this is what we do. We love Jesus. Let's, ha- let's make this happen. We'll figure it out together. Imagine teenage Mike and teenage Megan, just barely married, opening up their Bible the first time, not knowing anything of what to do, just trusting in God, just trying to reach out to him. We need to do the same at home. But I'm single, Mike. Great, personal devotional time. And then when you get into those relationships, base those relationships on reading the Bible together. Base those relationships on seeking after God. I mean, what else are you going to talk about? What's your favorite food? Oh, no, what's your favorite food? Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I mean, I don't like that anymore either. (laughs) Nothing. You got nothing to talk about. Base it on eternal truths. Joshua has never been the leader of Israel before. But now, in the presence of God, in the literal presence of God, he is being ordained to go out. And they don't say, Joshua, you got this because of all your training, the same way you don't. Moses encourages him yet again, after knowing they're going to fail, after hearing all these things, he goes to Joshua and says, be strong, be of good courage, because the Lord your God goes before you. And the same thing is true for us. And what does God want Moses to do after Moses hears that all of the things he just wrote are not going to happen with the exception of Joshua and God's faithfulness? Let's write a song. What does God want to do with Moses? He says, let's write a song. That's beautiful. Have you ever wrote a song with God before? Why not? Go write one. Well, I don't know how to sing. Write a poem. Write a letter. Have a discussion with him. Experience. Jesus said we, come to wor- we need to worship in spirit and in truth. Many get the truth, but no spirit. Some get the spirit and no truth. We need to have both. You can experience God. He's not an academic exercise. You can sense the presence of God. 
He says, seek and you shall find, ask and you shall receive. Now what gifts he gives you are completely up to him. Remember, he is in charge. And if you want to experience God, we'll come back Sunday morning. We're going to talk about that again. If you want to cheat, open up that Bible to your family and read ahead. I'm not stopping you. But now this journey with Joshua is going to start. Let's read verses 24 through 31. And so it was when Moses had completing, completed writing the words of this law in a book, when they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you, for I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. That's some good going away talk. If today, while I'm yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, how much more after my death? Gather to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their hearing and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will become utterly corrupt and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you and evil will befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the works of your hands. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel, the words of this song until they were ended. Well, chapter 32 is going to be all of that song. We're going to talk about that song together. But these are, these are Moses' closing words to the Levites, you stiff-necked and rebellious people. How can he say that with such confidence? I mean, the Levites could look at, you don't know us. You don't know what we're going to do. Well, God just told me, I know it's going to happen. You can't change it. God just told me what's going to happen. You're going to do this. You can trust God. He knows your future. He knows what you're going to do. He knows the good decisions, the bad decisions. He knows all of your bad decisions, your future failings, all the ways that you're going to curse him, criticize him, doubt him, not follow him. And he says, I no longer call you a servant, but a friend because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we have as New Testament believers. So what are you afraid of? Why, why are you afraid of failing in your service? Why are you afraid of sharing the gospel? Why are you afraid of reading? Ah, I just don't want to make a mistake. He knows all your mistakes ahead of time, and he says you're good. Just seek after him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And yes, it's not always going to work out. My ministry is a multitude of falling on my face, not in reverence, in idiocy, making dumb decisions. And yet the Lord says, get up. You got work to do. Here's your mop. Go back to work. Seek him out. Search him out. Fall back in love with him. Get into his presence. Write a song. Grow in him. He knows your failings. Have the word of God written on your heart and share it with everyone else. One of my all-time favorite quotes from Spurgeon, and you know there's a lot, but one of my all-time favorites is, he said, as a man of God, you should love the word of God so much that when you're cut, you bleed scripture. It'll radically transform your life. Now, Moses is the ultimate salty veteran these stiff-necked people 
going to be rebellious. Call them all together. I'm going to tell them to their face. But he does so in the confidence of God, knowing that God said he will never leave them nor forsake them. And what does he do in the midst of that? Let's write a song to God, he says. We'll talk about that one next week. We're going to close in prayer. Normally we have intercessory prayer, but today we had communion, so come back next week. We have a prayer meeting tomorrow. So prayer meeting tonight needs to be tomorrow. So you need to come tomorrow night to intercessory prayer meeting. I always get the time wrong every single time, so get with Reggie in the back. Meet him here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that your word never changes. It's immovable. You never change your mind. You never erase a single portion of it. It is true and faithful just as you are. We pray that you would lead us in it, direct us in it, and call us to follow after you and enable us to do it, Lord. Encourage us this evening as we go through our week. We pray that your name would be glorified above every name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to pray with you. We look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. We look forward to seeing you Thursday, tomorrow at the prayer meeting. If you are going to the men's conference... Please get with Zach over here um, just to check in. We want to make sure everybody's got a ride. Everyone knows where they're going. See Zach over here if you're going to the men's conference. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.